0: Hey Alpine Chapel, I may or may not be recording this video while I'm driving my F-150 pickup truck through the mountains of Colorado. Uh, that would be irresponsible. And you uh, and you know me well enough to know I would never do something like that. <laughs> Actually, I thought about it now and I thought I wanted to say hi. So um, I love you guys. I've enjoyed the times I've been out there. Uh, Dave and Natalie, you guys are amazing. You just give great leadership to uh, the church there. and to your friends and and uh, think about you a lot. I'm so honored that you're going through my book, 42 Seconds. Um, I think you probably were tricked into it because you thought it would just take 42 seconds to read, which is about right now. But unfortunately, it took a little bit longer, maybe 42 minutes. I think you're on the Be Brave section this weekend. That's one of my favorites, maybe my favorite of the three se- are the four sections, just because uh, in some ways it's the most difficult. I talk about having difficult conversations and brave conversations and. You know the thing is that for some people probably myself included we need to be careful about that because we're already pretty brave in lots of ways and we can use that as an excuse to be mean and be harsh and be critical you know and just say hey i was confronting my brother about such and such but no actually we're just being a jerk so that's not what this is um and then for others that you're just kind of quiet or shy or timid or whatever, you really need to step up sometimes and have it, have a hard conversation with a family member or with a neighbor or whatever, and do it in a loving kind sort of way, but you need to have it. So anyway, Jesus was the master at those kinds of conversations. And that's what this weekend's about. So I hope you enjoy. I know Dave will do a great job and I uh, love you guys. Wish I was there. Well, actually not really uh, because I'm in Colorado and Colorado pretty nice. But other than Colorado, or uh, Beirut, or Dubai, or Baghdad, or Damascus, I'd love to be in Lake Zurich. (laughs) See you guys.
1: That guy, that guy, Carl, he's so great.
0: How's everybody doing today? This is
1: a lively crowd. First service was lively, but you guys seem just like a little bit extra lively, and I appreciate that today. Uh, You guys look good. You sound really good today. I, I, don't, I, I kind of like start backstage and about song, 2 I'm out here with you guys, and you guys sound really good today. Speaking of people sounding really good, how about our band? Can we just give them a huge hand? Sounding so good. Sounding so good. Ah, uh, well... My name is Josh. I am one of the staff pastors here at Alpine Chapel, and I am super excited to be able to share some time with you guys here this morning uh, on this stage. Uh, Happy Sunday. Happy summer. This is a couple of the first weeks, the first couple Sundays where your kids are out of school. Uh, A lot of them get out next week or Monday, tomorrow. It's also the last couple of Sundays that you are excited your kids are out of school. You will start the countdown really soon in about two weeks, and this is why I know that's true, because in about two weeks, this phrase will come out of every one of the children's mouth. I'm bored. Yeah. Right? All the parents are like, yeah, we know exactly. Or they'll be like, it's too hot outside. I don't want to go. So I'm like, don't ruin summer for me. I love this. Go back to school. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I love kids, most of them at least, but anyhow, I, uh, I am super glad to be with you this morning. Uh, if you are new to the, uh, the church experience, um, let me just say that we are, we are a community. This isn't a, a building, this isn't a, a website, a, an organization, or an auditorium, but rather a collection of people who love each other and who are doing our very best to love Jesus in this life. We believe that we are in this thing together and that um, no matter who you are or where you've been, that you belong in this place, and that we are going to do our very best to follow that life that Jesus has laid out for us. Uh, All in all, we hope that you feel really encouraged today. I hope that you have met some great people, uh, people who have probably given you a really awkward hug when you walked into this place, one that you did not ask for, I might add. Don't be alarmed. It's just called Christians, okay? It's just something we do, but... uh We're glad you're here. We hope you feel like you can stick around Uh, as long as you possibly would like to. Uh, We are in, um, as Carl said uh, very shortly, uh, don't worry, I'm gonna go a lot longer than Carl's video, just to be very clear at the very beginning here. Uh, But we are in the third week of a four-week series out of Carl Medeiros' book, 42 Seconds. And um, the series is based on the idea that Jesus' average conversation or his interactions were about 42 seconds long, or at least they could be read in about 42 seconds long. Because if it was me, i talk with a lot of pregnant pauses. I use my hands. I would go way longer than 42 seconds for even just some of the basic things that Jesus had to say, but his basic interactions with people were about 42 seconds long, and in these 42 seconds, they had significant meaning and impact on those he interacted with, and it serves as a challenge for all of us that every, uh, every interaction we have can actually have significant meaning in people's lives. Uh, we started this series a couple weeks back with be kind. Uh, sounds very elementary, kind of like the golden rule. I think that everyone and anyone would probably agree that's a great place to start. Be kind. Say hey to people. Don't just walk by them. Acknowledge them. Acknowledge your waiter. Ask their name. Get some more details. Ask another question as we've been doing kind of in our meet and greet time these last couple weeks. And hey, if anything, just do something small for someone and watch what those simple, kind interactions, how they could actually elevate your relationships. Last week, uh, Pastor Alex was up here on the stage and talked about, Being present, one that I feel our culture, especially up here in the northwest suburbs, we probably tend to really struggle with is is being present. And ultimately, it is God's presence in us that allows us to be present with others. And we looked at the temptations that Jesus faced and how they would essentially pull us away from God. Which brings us to our third installment, which is no surprise, thanks to Alex and uh, Carl, is this idea of being brave. And in the words of Sarah Boralas, I want to, yeah, it fell flat first service too. In my head, it was going to be awesome if everybody sang that line, but it's okay. I totally get it. I want to see you be brave. Uh, be, be brave. I was like, I didn't even know where he was going with that. <laughs> Pop culture reference over. Uh, <laughs> Uh being brave. Um it's uh, it, it sounds it sounds fun, it sounds exhilarating, it sounds sexy, and for some of us it sounds like total like terrifying, right? The idea of bravery is like terrifying. Quick show of hands, little participation. Uh how many of you with no pre-qualifiers, none whatsoever, you would say, I feel like I'm a pretty brave person? Show of hands. You guys are chickens, is this it? Okay, yeah, okay, it's a little bit better. People are like, I don't know, is he going to call me on stage and make me dance or sing? Yes, you, come on down! <laughs> Wouldn't that be something else? But no, we're, we're not going to do that. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how the night, this progresses. Maybe we will. Uh, you're a brave person, uh, if raising your hand. And uh, bravery comes in all shapes, all sizes, all different kinds of forms. Uh, and for some of us, bravery just comes to the simple foods that we eat. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced this or not. Yeah, I know. People are like laugh. Like, I watch a lot of food shows. I love to cook. And I've seen this where, have you ever seen the, the chefs that prepare the puffer fish? Where they will cut it and they have to remove the spines out of the fish. It's like a delicacy. But here's the catch. If they don't do it just right, and they don't remove the, the little needles out of the fish just right, the poison will actually stay in the meat, and you die. You are a brave person for eating that fish. That's all I gotta say. That is crazy. But maybe bravery isn't so dramatic. Maybe uh, you're a parent. Any of the parents in the room? Go on, parents loud and proud, okay? There you are. Maybe you've had the almighty, ever looming talk with your child. You are brave. You are so brave. I mean, explaining the birds and the bees and how things anatomically work together and where babies come out of, like, that is a brave conversation, okay? I'm just going to be really honest. It's brave. You ask my wife how I do in those kind of conversations, I am like a small teenage boy on the couch giggling. I'm like, can we say that? to our kids. I'm like, we can't do that. That's terrifying. And it's like, I I am not brave at all when it comes to having the talk. But uh, maybe it's not eating sushi. Maybe it's uh, not having the talk. But maybe it's marriage. Ah, marriage, right? (laughs) Marriage. Maybe for some of you, it was brave just to say yes to the person you're sitting next to today, right? (laughs) Don't look at that person right now. That's self-incriminating, okay? Okay. But uh, for the married men in the room, maybe you've experienced this as I have, but uh, perhaps your significant other, your wife, will come up to you and they will ask this question. Uh, How do I say this without getting myself in trouble? Um, Does this outfit... (laughs) Is this outfit flattering, right? (laughs) Right? Is, this, is, it making me, is, it, is it making me look good? And you had better hope that the answer is yes. Because if it is not yes, you will be faced with one of the bravest decisions you will ever make in your married life. Or you will lie. And that's a whole nother message that we're not going to touch on today. But... Uh, we're not going to be talking about those kind of acts of bravery today. Some of you are like, thank God, I can't do it. Others are like, I wish we would. I don't know how to do those. But we're not, we're not going to be talking about those kind of things today, but rather true bravery. Um, Jesus inspired. Jesus modeled his example of bravery in our lives. And especially when it comes to our short interactions our conversations with people. How do we have bold, brave conversations with people? If you have your Bible, I'm going to encourage you to look at John chapter 8 today. John chapter 8. We'll be starting in verse 2. This is a, a uh, very uh, familiar passage. This is a vivid, a visual, a scandalous passage. It is one that is awkward, it is messy, but I believe it gives us an inside look at what bravery. Looks like, and how to have a bold and brave conversation. Again, using the example of Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 2, it says, At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this as a, this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down again and he wrote in the ground. And at this, those who began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of the world. Of life. Don't you love a happy ending? That could have gone a lot of ways, I'm just gonna be really honest, but don't you love a good, happy ending? If you could just leapfrog with me down to verse thirty one, we're gonna jump all the way down there. And it says, To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Verse thirty-two, we're gonna emphasize this this morning. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we get to share together. Thank you for the freedom of being able to gather in this place and to worship you so freely. Um, uh, Thank you just for everyone who is gathered here today. I pray that your word will encourage us, it will challenge us. Um, Thank you for your word that serves as a guide in our life, the roadmap for our life. Thank you for your son who was a living example of this book lived out. And I pray that today we can just be inspired and encouraged by Jesus and the way that he interacted with people. In your name, amen. Amen. Uh, To be very truthful with you guys this morning, um, I have a weird relationship with working out. Uh, I know that's a really interesting segue. Just go with me. Uh, I have a weird relationship with working out or even just the concept of working out. I admire people who work out. And if I'm being truthful with you guys, I kind of want to be those kind of people who work out, the kind of people who enjoy to inflict bodily harm upon themselves just so they can improve their physical appearance or their general health. Key emphasis on appearance. (laughs) Just going to say that. Uh, But I I, I like those kind of people. I admire them. I'm encouraged by them. I just kind of have a personal, weird relationship with working out. I I, I believe in it. I want the results of it. I just don't want to do it. You guys know what I mean? I, I just don't, yeah. <laughs> I never expected an applause on that. That was strange. Uh, I, I think about it sometimes. I, if I'm honest, I, I talk about it all the time. Uh, so much so that I think I can actually trick myself into thinking that I'm actually doing something for myself, which is something to be said about the human brain that you can do that. But that's something else. Uh, but I, I do. I, I appreciate people who work out all the time. I I've had conversations with people here, even inside our church community, about working out. Is there a Deaver in the building? Any Deaver will do. Yeah, I see your yes right there. If you've had any conversation with a Deaver, they are disgustingly fit. It is gross. (laughs) Like, I feel like a small, insignificant person when I'm around them. Like, Charlie, any of them. It's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, But I'll have conversations. I had one recently with Charlie, and I was like, hey, man, you know, like, how do I, you know, get beach ready, you know, whatever. And he's like, here's what you got to do. And he'll give me, like, a description. Like, he lays out this plan, and I am intently listening to him. And I walk away, and I'm like, I am never going to do that. (laughs) Sounds good, man. I have a weird relationship with working out. I I, I believe in it. I want the results of it. I just, I don't want to do it. Uh, it reminds me of uh, a story that I came across of the great Charles Blunden. Anybody ever heard of the great Charles Blunden? I'm not expecting any hands, but that's okay. Any uh, the great Charles Blunden. If you're into tightrope walking, you will know who Charles Blunden is. Any any tightrope walkers or <laughs> soon to be tightrope walkers. It's kind of a kind of a lost art, I admit. But um, Charles Blunden in 1860. The story tells us that he went on to perform one of the greatest tightrope acts in history. Not that I know anything about tightrope history, but from what I Googled, it sounded like a really good story. True story. In 1860, September of 1860, Charles Blunden began to cross the Niagara Falls multiple times on a tightrope. He says and The story goes on to say that he went forwards. He moonwalked backwards. He rode a bicycle. He hopped across inside a potato sack. This guy was insane, and the crowds were going nuts for Charles Blunden. Story goes on to tell us that as as he went to the other side, uh, the, the crowds began to cheer so loud that it actually overwhelmed the sounds of the Great Falls. They were in a frenzy for Charles Blunden. He got to the other side, and he says, now, who thinks I can take a human being with me across the falls? And they're like, yes, we believe, Charles Blunden. You're the best. We believe. And he's like, great. Who thinks I can take a human being in my wheelbarrow across the Great Falls? Yes, Charles Blunden. We believe. And he goes, great. Can I get a volunteer? He couldn't get one volunteer out of the whole crowd. <laughs> story goes on to say that that was the end of the story, actually, just just like that. See, thousands of people gathered in that moment with what I call a weird relationship with bravery. They believe in it. They want to see the results of it, but they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. I think that oftentimes we have a weird relationship with being like Jesus. I think we have a weird relationship with living, loving, and looking like Jesus in our everyday human interactions. Now, what do you you, you mean, Josh? What what are you you trying to say here this morning? I think we believe. I mean, I'm pretty sure that we believe, like, who wants to live like Jesus? And the crowd erupts. Who wants to love like Jesus? And the crowd erupts. Who wants to look like Jesus? And the crowd erupts. Okay. Get in the wheelbarrow. Oh. That's, uh, that's awkward. Look at the time I got a workout class I got to get to or something. <laughs> I, I, I think we have a weird relationship with being like Jesus. We believe. We want the results. We just don't want to actually physically go do what Jesus asks us to do. Why? Uh, Because, quite honestly, when you're in a wheelbarrow on a tightrope in the middle of your situation or the falls, it's not very comfortable. It's not near as comfortable as it is to be on the sidelines cheering somebody else on as they go across the tightrope because if something was to happen to them, say... Doesn't quite impact you at that point. I think we have a weird relationship with being like Jesus, especially when it comes to the brave acts of reckless love that he demonstrated all throughout his life. See, real bravery isn't about your ego, real bravery isn't about uh, proving a point. Real bravery isn't about being right in a situation. It's not about any of these crazy acts or these thrills that I've talked about. No, no. Real bravery is inspired and driven by bold love. Real bravery is driven by bold love. It's safe to say that no matter what you think about Jesus, the person of Jesus this morning, That he was perhaps probably one of the single most brave people to ever walk our planet. Whether or not you believe he is the son of God, if you look historically in and of that itself, you would come to that same conclusion that he is indeed probably one of the most brave people to ever walk our planet. He gave up his position in heaven, a beautiful home, I might add, came down to an earth that, quite honestly, was in pretty rough shape. He did that willingly for us in mind. He began to walk and live a perfect life, going against all trials, all temptations, doing that flawless, doing those same temptations that other people have failed at miserably. He went ahead and did those things for us. He watched his friends and his family die, thinking of you and I. He launched a, a global mission to redeem humanity that would totally blow up the infrastructure that all religious people walked upon willingly and knowingly that it would ultimately cost him his life. He went to the cross, or a brutal death for you and I. He defeated Grave. He rose again. He left people he loved and ascended back to his father. He was, thank you, he was a brave Man, And in the midst of these milestones and amidst these chapters of his life that we all know and that we've all come to, to learn and, to, and just kind of embrace these, these key points of Jesus' life, amidst these things, he took time. He was present with people and he took time to have real, bold, loving conversations with people like you and me. People who are often very far from the heart of God. It was always about people with Jesus. It's always been about people for Jesus. He desires relationship with humanity. He desires relationship, not religion, not organization, not tradition. He desires relationship with us because he loves us. God loves the birds, God loves the fish. God loves the mountains, God loves the sea, God loves the whales, save them all. He loves the giraffes, He loves the lions, not so much cats, but But, but God wants relationship with one primary created being. And that's you, and that's me, and that's all of humanity and I want to be really clear, I don't mean people who walk through these doors or who look like you and I or whose skin happens to look the same of somebody else. I mean all of humanity. That's what was in his mind when he walked and lived this life with true, bold love, true bravery. And anytime I look at Jesus' bravery and we look at it, it's, it was always about what it was going to take to wake the person up. When Jesus would have an act of bravery, it was what was it going to take to wake that person up, to point them to God, to draw them into this wild adventure of a life and live inside this beautiful kingdom that he was inviting all of us into. That's what Jesus' mission on earth was all about, was pointing people to his Father, bridging that gap so that we could be in relationship and communion and live inside God's kingdom again. And it's in that life now that Jesus invites us to be on mission with him. And church, I just want to say that if we're going to step into the mission that Jesus lived, we're going to have to look at his examples really closely, and we're going to have to be willing to have some true bravery in our lives. Some that is inspired by the love that Jesus modeled for us. He's inviting us into mission, to look like him, to bring peace, to bring hope, to bring love, to bring joy into our situations. He wants us to go out and to be those people. We see this conversation happen in John chapter 20, verse 19, where Jesus has risen. Soon after he has risen, he wants to go find his friend, his crew, his boys. He's a little concerned for them, and he wants to go find them. And he goes, and he finds them. If I'm being honest, he finds them not being brave at all, They are locked behind closed doors, shuddering in fear, the Bible says. You can see this in John chapter 20, verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders. How many of you guys know that fear will keep you from doing the things that God's calling you to do? And the thing that fear is always up against is bravery. And if you could have some bravery in your life, some true bravery inspired by that, then you might be able to suppress some of that fear. Jesus sees this, walks into this situation, and he says, peace be with you. Calm yourselves. He says, and after he said that, he showed them his hands and his side, almost urging them to believe. Believe, yes, we believe. And then again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. As I have done my mission, now I am sending you into mission. And you guys are locked behind closed doors, afraid. Now, of course, we can't stop there. You look at this last part, and it says, with that he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's important for us because if you're going to walk into this life and you're going to accept the kind of bravery and the kind of acts that Jesus did and the kind of conversations that he had, you're going to need the Holy Spirit in your life, a discerner a comforter, our helper in our time of need, one who's going to stir that bravery deep inside of your soul and inside of your heart that's going to compel you to see the same kind of love in life that Jesus did. You're going to need that help. And if you don't have that help, I dare say we might stumble and fall in our attempts to be brave, and we may find ourselves locked behind closed doors, afraid of our situation to live out this mission that we're invited on it's going to take true bravery. True bravery is bold love. True bravery is being like Jesus in our everyday interactions. I believe that if we took some time to look around, uh, turn on the news, flip on uh, our news feed on our social media, um, to use, take a look, read the newspaper, I think we would all come to an agreement today, that in our world, in our culture, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our schools, in all these places, I think we would agree that the world could use some people with bold, Jesus-inspired love living bravely. Pointing people to Jesus at no matter what the cost, at no matter what it would take for you to risk your reputation, to risk your relationship, to risk your resources, to step out in some kind of act of love for somebody, to point them to Jesus at no matter what the cost. May I ask you this question today. And before you give me the the healthy amen or the, "Mm, that's good, I want you just to pause for a second and I want you just to think about this in your own spirit, in your own time right now. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to take risks to move past your fear for the sake of showing Jesus' love to the people in your lives? Are you willing to take risks, move past your fears, your insecurities for the sake of showing Jesus' love to the people in our lives. I think there's a few things that we can learn in John chapter 8 about Jesus' interaction uh, with the people who have gathered and with the woman who is there. See, Jesus is uh, teaching, and people have gathered to hear him because he's the good teacher. And everywhere he went, people wanted to hear from him. He's a respectable teacher. His reputation is high for teaching. People have come to hear him. And there he is, sitting down teaching. And this vivid scene gets interrupted from a woman who has been caught, caught literally in the act of adultery, and thrown into the middle of this circle of people who are listening to Jesus teach. And of course, Jesus knows the law, and he's very aware of what that law is. And they say, You know, good teacher, you, you know the law. What should we do here? And they instantly, Jesus kind of stoops down and starts writing in the stand like some ancient little etchy sketch. I've read a lot in this study about certain scholars believe that perhaps Jesus was just doing anything he could to take the eyes of the onlookers off of the woman and onto him. Isn't that so, Jesus? Jesus. I can see the anger in their eyes. I can see that they're condemning you. I know that they're casting shame upon you. That's gotta be a heavy burden to to carry. But if you just let me for one moment, I'll take that from you. I'll do whatever I can. I'll take that from you. Some speculate that perhaps he was writing the names of the people who were gathered around that day or maybe even writing their sins down in the sand as almost to set up or prepare what his next statement was going to be. And he says... Let any of you who are without sin cast the first stone. What a bold move to make. I said this earlier, but this could go a lot of ways. I mean, someone just not being honest with themselves, and Jesus is kind of setting this up. I mean, this is a bold, messy, awkward situation to be in. Of course, as we know the scene goes, they all begin to, to cower away and they begin to leave, it says, from the oldest down to the youngest. And, and all of a sudden the, the scene quiets, the dust clears from everybody walking away and it's Jesus and the woman. And as he's standing there, I can only imagine her eyes kind of just kind of clenched together, just waiting for that first stone to come. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? there aren't there are none probably looks back at jesus the only other person there goes i'm not with them i i I don't condemn you either but go and sin no more see i think this is important is we see jesus respond in total grace and truth and there's a there's a joining word there and truth So I think oftentimes when we get into these tough situations, these messy, these awkward situations where we're confronting, is that oftentimes we like to separate those two. Kind of playing the good cop, bad cop, if you will. Oh, you're okay, don't worry about it. Better luck next time. Or you come right in and you drop the truth bomb and you're like, you're gonna burn. Hey, listen, listen how Jesus does this. Listen, listen. He says, I don't condemn you either, grace, but go and sin no more. He calls it what it is. Sin is a picture word for missing the mark. It's in other words, there's a bullseye. The center of that bullseye is the life that God desires for each and every one of us. And he says, that's the mark that we're all headed to. And when you sin, you just keep missing the mark. And he says, you know what? You're missing the mark in life. You're not quite there. I want you to go and I want you to sin no more. He calls it exactly what it is, knowing the law. Jesus knew the law. This is unlawful. You can't say that, Jesus. You're risking your reputation as the good teacher in front of all these people. You can't say that. I mean, Jesus knew the law, he knew the Ten Commandments, he knew the Decl- he knew all those things that were there 14 to 1500 years before he stepped onto the scene. He's fully aware of that, which is why he didn't come to abolish it, but he came to fulfill it. In this moment, he's saying, yeah, I know you know the law, but I'm going to do something different. Moses had the law. I have grace. I have truth. And he speaks grace and truth to this woman. I think oftentimes we like to separate those as an attempt because we don't want to say truth to somebody because we're afraid that it might kind of hurt. If you love somebody, you want to see them free. And if you want to see them free, you have to have the truth. Not my words. It's John chapter 8, verse 32. The truth will set you free. So you can't, you can't take those things apart from each other. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you love them enough and you don't want to see them struggle, then at some point with grace and truth, you're going to have to step into that messy, awkward situation because you love them enough to risk your reputation, to risk your relationship, so that you might ultimately bring freedom to their life. I think this morning that Jesus is pleading with our culture. Jesus is pleading with our church for somebody, anybody, to take a risk in their lives. To move past your fears, your insecurities, the what-ifs, the even-wins, for the sake of showing people God's love, His love. Maybe this morning you're here and you know someone like this woman. was caught or trapped inside something that is keeping her from achieving all that God has for them they're missing the mark in their life they're trapped or caught in something that's keeping them from from experiencing life the way that God wants them to sin and maybe just maybe You need to have something stirred inside of you, the Holy Spirit, with some discernment and some comfort and some grace and some truth that you're willing and ready to step into kind of an awkward, messy situation and be somebody who shows them love and truth and helps them get to a point of freedom in their life. Maybe your courageous conversation this upcoming week as we dive in the book and we start going through these chapters and discussing with our groups and stuff like that, maybe your courageous conversation isn't something quite like that, but maybe it's just asking someone for forgiveness. Maybe it's asking someone to forgive you for something that you've done. Maybe it's receiving forgiveness. Maybe you spent hours upon hours with a co-worker or a family member and you just feel God nudging you because part of being brave is remember, connected to the Holy Spirit, and you're praying, God, show me, give me opportunities to point people to you, to show that true kind of love. And maybe this week you kind of have that opportunity and you're going, God, is this the right time that I I share my faith and what actually makes me different in this life is the love that Jesus has shown me and the the hope that I have found in him, Is, is this the time? And maybe it's your time after all these hours to just be bold with your faith. Be brave speak grace, and speak truth. Are you willing to be brave enough to do the most loving thing in someone's life? To move past your fear, your insecurity, into a bold and risky love that Jesus modeled for us. When I look at Jesus's life, he went through a series of bold moves, a series of brave and bold conversations so that we could experience freedom through his love. Can we be so encouraged today by Jesus's example, not an earthly example of bravery, but by Jesus's example of bravery in our lives and in our conversations, ultimately so that others would see his love and experience the true freedom and the fulfillment of living inside the kingdom that we all desire for people to be in. Can we be those people this week? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this challenge. Ah, To be totally honest, Lord, it it, it challenges me. I I know there are areas that you're calling me to be brave in and to step out in. And I pray that we can be so in tune with your Holy Spirit that we don't let our fear or our insecurity or concerns uh, for our reputation or our relationships or anything else, God, get in the way of us making a bold and risky move to show people your love. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for how you just displayed that through your life and how you gave it on the cross so that we can have relationship with you. I pray, God, that today we can walk out of this place encouraged and challenged by your word and that we can live the brave life that you've called each and every one of us to. In your name, amen.